All right, another episode of Shut Up and Invest. I'm here with Jay Money in the house. What's going on, boss? Chilling, man. Enjoying the day. A little beautiful Saturday where we're knocking out episodes on episodes on episodes. Definitely. Making up for the vacation time we had during the holidays. We know it's been a while, guys, since we uploaded some uh, YouTube videos, but we will have some content coming out at a rapid pace for you. Yeah, uh, Yeah, we're going to go overdrive now. Yeah, we'll start doing some stuff on some walkthroughs, some properties we're doing, and just kind of, you know, give you guys a little bit more content that you've been asking us for. Today, we're actually going to have a mastermind live on camera and on the mic, for those of you listening, of getting into and targeting more what we call subject to um, uh, deals. So instead of doing it behind the scenes and talking strategy and talking about how we're going to attack it, we're actually going to do it right here, right here, live in effect. So you guys are going to hear what a normal meeting would sound like when we're talking about opening up a new campaign, a new market, a whole new strategy. The questions we have, this is something that I've, meddled in but i have not actually done a deal in so i consider myself a rookie so this is no different than you guys so the subject of today is subject Subject to to, subject to which means buying a house subject to the underlying mortgage right so we talk a lot about seller financing subject to is a type of seller financing right um you have your seller financing that most of my deals are when the house is free and clear and the seller's just going to give me terms in the house. And then you have subject to, which means I'm going to buy somebody's house subject to the actual mortgage that they're still paying on it. Right. It's scary for most people because it takes a little bit more skills than just buying a house outright. You're essentially asking the person to nine out of 10 times stay involved in the deal some way, somehow rather than just walk away clean with some money in their pocket and not tied to it whatsoever. Um, I think a lot of people have a tough time wrapping their head around that somebody would actually say yes to that. I think that's the hard. Yeah. I think people just don't think there's any way someone would agree to let you buy their house and be responsible for their mortgage payments. Right. Right. Or the tax, if there's a tax lien or whatever debt is on the property that's under their name is going to stay in their name while we take the property over and decide what we're going to do. So I personally have tried two subject to deals. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them just wasn't working out because we didn't have enough time. So the deal was sweet. And if I remember correctly, the deal fell on my lap and it was a matter of the person owed very cheap on the first mortgage, Mm -hmm. but there was a second mortgage tied to the property that it was like a government grant program. So if you don't sell the house or refinance to pay it off, um, you're going to be able to dismiss that debt, which was like, if I'm not, if I remember correctly, like like $75,000, $80,000 or something like that. Yeah, after a few, after a certain amount of time, call it, it like ten off. years. Right. If in okay. ten years you don't sell the house or refi the house, or seven years or something like the that, debt falls off. The debt falls off. You don't have to pay it back, and you don't have to make a payment. Only leaving the small first mortgage on the house, mm-hmm. 
makes it challenging in that particular subject to situation because the person had passed away. So mm -hmm. this was now being handled by the family. So I had to make sure that the first mortgage wasn't going to call the first mortgage, which is usually what they do. Well, no, so yeah. when they approached me, these are the questions that I think a lot of people will have. Well, wait a minute. If I just say yes and I get into this deal and then all of a sudden the first mortgage says, wait a minute, the borrower is no longer alive, pay me back. That would mean I would have to find the money to pay them back, but still not transfer the sale of the house under my name so I don't have to pay that second mortgage of $70,000. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty complicated situation. Preferably... I think the mortgage payment was only like $500 and you could rent the property for $1,500. Hence why I was interested in the I'm deal. Subject to, yeah. And then the property was worth like $200,000 or $220,000. And I think the first mortgage was only like fifty dollars or $60,000. So having a $50,000, $60,000 payoff with a $500 or $600 payment, mm -hmm. renting it for $1,500, $1,600, obviously there's cash flow there. And then waiting out, I think I had to wait like another year and a half to two years for the second mortgage to fall off. Overall, it sounded sexy, but there was a lot of questions that I had. And that's where I was going to get my attorneys involved to deal with the family's attorneys to really make sure that I wasn't going to get into something over my head because the deal would have worked if the bank lets me continue paying the $500 a month and I rent it for $1,500. Mm -hmm. No brainer, $1,000 cash flow and the rest pays the mortgage. But if the first mortgage calls and wants to get paid, then I got to come up with the $60,000 to pay them off with. Even if that was the worst case scenario, it's no big off. deal. As long as I don't got to pay that other seventy dollars to 80000 because if I do now, the yeah. deal completely changes because now I'm buying the property for between sixty and let's say another seventy. Now I'm buying the property for a whole lot more than what I wanted to. This is not the deal that I want. I want to get rid of that $70,000. So as I started to have conversations with them, and as I right when I was going to get the attorneys involved, they failed to mention that the property was going to auction. Like literally <laughs> that same week. So that threw a whole nother wrench into this. Well, that's it. Yeah. It was too late. It was too late, yep. Too late. That's it. The first mortgage was going to get... Force the sale no matter what, which I'm still going to continue to follow up because I'm interested how that auction would go, knowing that you got to essentially, if you're going to buy it, pay off, pay off that, pay off that government. second. Yep. yep. So, so it, could, it could pop back up, right? I don't know it's in possible. what fashion, but I'm just curious to know what happens because that makes that deal a whole lot less sexy. Got it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So sub twos, I mean... There's a lot, a lot of opportunities out there for subject two deals right now, right? Right. Um, and as markets change, if we get into a market correction or whatever, you'll see even more opportunities as, uh, uh, for those kind of deals. Um, so we kind of kind of break down how how we try to market to them, right? I mean, we're going to figure out a plan of how we want to market two sub two deals, kind of the... Uh, Correct. So we want to get into it because we know it can get... Uh, uh, cash flow done. Cash flow, yes. Because these people want to get out of the property. There's a lot of people that are like, look, I ain't, I'm not going to make another payment. Just get me out of this house. 
And if and some of them just need a little bit of walking away money. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of people say, well, how, why would they agree to that? Well, it depends on their motivation in the sort of situation where they might be that through with the property or have no other options where that's even if even if you didn't pay it somehow, which were, that's not the case, they don't even care at that point, right? They're already down the road. Or you're their best option, right? So there are a lot of people out there. I mean, I have a property right now that we're looking at a sub two. You know, the lady wants to stay in the house. So there's always that option too, where you can actually help the person stay in the house. Correct. So there's a ton, a ton of different ways to do it. So the main question is just going to be, you know, how do you evaluate these deals? Who do you market to? And what are, what is our risk involved? Right. So our motivation is cash flow. Cash flow. That's what we're establishing. My motivation is cash flow. I want to be able to create cash flow. Sub two is a way to create some instant cash flow with little to no money down. down. Yep. Secondly, who do we market to? So right off the bat, the list that I want to pull, and um, and if you have any ideas, is expired listings. Expired listings is huge. Because a lot of the reasons why expired listings may be good subject to deals is because maybe they don't have enough equity in the deal, and that's the reason why they weren't able to sell in the first place. So there's a reason why they didn't sell on the retail market yeah, and it expired. It expired. Mostly it's because there's a price issue where they can't come down to a price that makes sense to sell an open market, right? The main reason why you won't come down to that price is because you don't have enough equity to do that. So Correct. So expired good. listings is one target. Um, just in general, list in hot area codes that don't have any equity. Mm-hmm. So people that may want to sell, but they realize that there is no profit margin in their... Um, because they owe very close to what the property is worth. So they may be interested in selling to us on terms. So when you think subject to, think like when you lease a car or when you buy a car, you're buying it on terms. You're not showing up saying, here's $40,000 for this truck. You're saying, give me the terms and I'll pay you for the next five years, $520 a month. Yep. Same exact negotiations. Yeah. It's just like of, it's a type of seller financing where you're buying a house with somebody on their seller financing terms. Right. right. So when you're ask, when you're negotiating, you're seeing what they want, you're still uncovering motivation. The same thing you would do in any kind of normal negotiations to see what the motivation of the seller is, what exactly they want for the property, what the challenge is, right? So to see how you can solve it. And then the question I think just becomes very simple. Are you interested in selling it on terms? That that's the question. <laughs> I mean, it does become that simple. Just ask, right? Some people aren't asking. Ask and see what they say, right? Yeah. Can uh, can we negotiate terms where I pay you monthly, but instead of you being a landlord and and me paying you rent and you having to worry about things that break, you're essentially out of it. I'll mm-hmm. pay you on whatever terms you want, and we'll go from there. And then now the diff- you know, in a sub two situation, usually when we're trying to buy it on terms. We're trying to buy it on terms where we can make a payment to their mortgage company and they can walk away from having to have any more of the pain points, right? Correct. So Depending on what they want. Some people will give it to you that's that simple. simple. Some won't, exactly. Some you might still have to make a payment to them. Some you might have to make a down payment to them. It all depends. The situation is different. Right. But basically we're trying to get into that property without having to get a mortgage on it, right? Let's say it's worth one fifty or it will cost us one fifty to buy it. Maybe we can get in it for fifteen thousand, right? So that's what we're trying to do, or ten thousand. Um, when we're buying a sub two deal, another list to hit is pre foreclosure list. Pre foreclosure. That's the high list to hit. Uh, probably in tax default list. Right. So pre foreclosures, you're gonna try to get them 
out of the pre-foreclosure situation. So usually in a pre-foreclosure situation, there's a opportunity, what they call reinstatement. So if I'm behind $30,000, I don't have it as the owner of the property. You come in and you say, well, if I reinstate this mortgage and only pay $30,000, now your credit is saved. You don't have a foreclosure Mm -hmm. in your history. You can walk away from this situation and start fresh somewhere else. They may or may not want a little extra money to walk away. Some of them will say, just get me out of this problem because in pre-foreclosure, they're already getting notices from the bank. The court process is starting to begin. They're scared. Mm -hmm. And they obviously don't have enough money to to make up that reinstatement. So you kind of come in there. Pay the reinstatement, get the property. They can walk away and then start paying, you know, get a renewed rental property, whatever, without having a foreclosure on their record. Or the one I'm looking at right now, the lady got sick, so she couldn't make payments for like seven months. And so right now, she doesn't want to move, but she's back to working and she's healthy again where she can actually make the payments now. And we're looking at paying off the reinstatement, which is around $15,000, and then reselling the house back to her on sort of financing terms. Now, in that situation, she would stay in there. Um, the house, the reinstatement is like fifteen thousand. She owes like ninety two on the property, but the house is worth a good one seventy. Okay, good. so if she was to to go behind the payments and we got the house back, we have equity in the property already. Right, and if not, then she buys it back she and she got out of that problem, and you helped her. Yeah, maybe it takes two years. We bring her to a, to a lender. She refinances this out. We made cash flow for two years. I mean, the cash was like two fifty on this one, mm-hmm. but we only have sixteen thousand into the deal. That's an amazing return. Right. Now, I had one, the second one that I told you that didn't go through was the same situation. It was a pre-foreclosure. It was like 25000 to reinstate the deal. He wanted to stay in the property because his kids were teenagers already in junior year and senior year. So mm-hmm. they did not want to move because, you know, that's like the best. Time to move, yeah, yeah uh, you can't pull a kid out of their junior and no. senior year of high school without <laughs> them flipping out. He didn't want to go through the whole moving situation. He had a ton of equity and I think he owed, can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like 150 or 160 and the property was worth like 280 or something. Mm-hmm. So there was over $100,000 in equity, but he had lost his job for a time period. Now he got another job, but those four or five months that he was laid off, he fell behind plus the late payments and the fees. Long story short, he couldn't make up the the... The the fall behind yeah. amount. So the arrears. The reinstatement was what he was having trouble with. He could make the current mortgage payment. He had a great interest rate. So we he wanted to stay in the property as well. So we were structuring a very creative subject to deal where we were going to put a corporation on title. I was gonna lend the money to the corporation and essentially take over shares of that corporation that the agreement of the business loan to that corporation was going to be, if there's a default to the business loan, we become sole owner of the corporation. If he pays it back per the terms, Mm -hmm. because we were going to reinstate the loan with some cash flow on top, and we had to make sure that he made his mortgage payment every month too, so he didn't keep falling behind. So there was some terms to the structure of the loan. If all went well then he would pay us off in up to two years and then stay on the property. So he got to closing table and 
Remember you told, yeah. He literally didn't sign at the closing table and decided to list the property. And so he was early in the pre-foreclosure process. But you guys did all that structuring. We did, did all, all the structuring. We prepped clothes. it. He ended up having to pay my attorney her fees for mm-hmm. prepping it and everything. So at least she got paid and she made money on the deal, but we didn't make a dollar. And I, I in that moment, I didn't want to be hardcore and stingy and like, this and that because you never know when that guy is going to come back to me. He was actually super thankful. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. I'm really sorry. He even did did it dirty where he didn't even use us, my real estate team, to be able to to list it. (laughs) He went with the neighborhood realtor who was in his ear the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I guess he played both the whole time where like he took us all the way to the closing table and then had her waiting to see. And at the end, he just said, Screw it, I'll sell it and make a hundred and something thousand and pay back the bank and like not sign this deal here because I'm worried so if I default, I completely lose the house, which hey, I understand. Yeah, definitely. Because of course, if he defaulted at all in any of the payments, boom, he loses the, the house. Right away. Yep. It, it completely, he loses, that's it. He's not on the corporation anymore. So that fear factor made him back out of the deal. Um, in that situation, he still had time because mm-hmm. the pre-foreclosure was just starting and they were giving him a reinstatement option. So he knew he could put it on the market and sell it. I told him he can do that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to steal the you property You gave him his options him. at the beginning. Yeah, you, you know, when you're doing sub two again, we're trying to help people out. So we're going to give them all their options. You said, look, you could list it for this or we could do this. Correct. Which option works best for you? Like that's Correct. the main key. Give them all their options. Sometimes sub two is the only or the best option that there is. Right. So tax lien is another list. Tax liens, definitely. People don't have the money. They fell behind on their property taxes. So it's very similar to pre-foreclosure. I have a guy, um, an investor in Michigan, who uh, my partner Mike was just talking to me about. This guy, that's all he does. He only buys properties like that. And what he does is he uh, buys the home sub two. He puts, he loans the homeowner the amount that they had in their taxes. He does a loan for that amount to pay the taxes the loan is placed on the property, on the deed. And then if they default on his loan, then he gets the house back. And this is his number one model of how he's buying these homes. So he's basically getting into these homes for that tax deed amount. And then when he gets it back, he has to actually, if there's an underlying mortgage, pay that off, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But there's enough equity in there where it makes, sense. To, it makes sense. He either sells it or pays it off. Right. And that's another form of creative sub two financing. He's the one that's sub to the, the taxes on there. So we're definitely going to do South Florida. Definitely. And then definitely. we're going to potentially do some of the smaller markets. Yep. Yep. Probably so, do some parts of uh, some of the other markets up north. Tax lien, expired listings, pre-foreclosures, and no equity. No equity. No those equity. are the four lists that we're targeting. We're going to take those lists. We're going to skip trace them. We're going to get the phone numbers. We're going to text blast them. Text blast them. Ringless voicemail. Ringless voicemail. Uh, some cold, cold calling. calling. And then depending on the markets, direct mail. If direct mail is good in that market, we'll do direct mail. Correct. And then the inbound calls will come in and we'll treat them just like we treat any other lead coming in. We'll establish what they're looking for, what their motivation is, what they want. Mm-hmm. And then we'll structure terms. And then we'll have an attorney who's experienced in structuring subject to in each market. Exactly, yep. To help us structure this. The risk factor is these first mortgages, if we're leaving them on there under the seller's name at any point in time, could call 
the mortgage. That is like the risk factor that everybody's worried. It barely ever happens is from what my experience has been in the mortgage business for so long. Um, because they just want to get paid their monthly fee. Yeah, and tell I mean, there's, there's usually what, maybe two or three factors that would ever call the mortgage, right? You don't pay it, they're going to call it. Correct. <laughs> usually there's something with insurance not being correct, right? Correct. If the insurance falls off or there's a gap in insurance. They usually have forced place insurance and this and that, but basically when they feel things are fraud, shady, or, or super risky... They're going to call it. They're calling the mortgage. But if they're receiving a payment every month, it's not risky. The banks That's don't what want their houses. business is. The banks don't want houses. The banks want principal and interest. Correct. As long as they get their principal and interest. And again, this is not legal advice. You know, I, but from our experience that we've done, and other people do a lot of these. And we know but, we're going into this knowing that first lenders could get in contact with us. Yes. And, and say, hey. You guys weren't originally on the loan and there's a title change. What's There is that situation. And we're not hiding from that. We're making the payments. We are going to be structuring these deals where we're not going to be hiding and trying not to get caught. No, we're going to do everything by the book. Legally, attorneys are going to do the paperwork and we are going to quickly make the payments so that hopefully the banks will not want to have conversations because mm-hmm. they're getting paid by the terms that they first agreed on. And a lot of the times we're saving the deal anyway and bringing it back to where it should have been in the first place. Yeah, I think that's key. Like there's, there's, there's nothing, subject to is legal. It's not an illegal type of way to do business, right? Correct. People think, it's, no, it's not illegal. It is clearly legal. You can transfer the title and the deed, which is what happens. We actually become on the deed. The yeah, deed's being transferred. Now. The mortgage stays in the homeowner's name. Right. That's the whole, everything else is transferred. Title is transferred, deeds transfer. They just have a mortgage in their name still, right? And, so, and if you're asking yourself, why would the seller allow their credit to still be on the property through the mortgage? There could be a clause put in that is subject to performance. So the minute that we don't pay that mortgage on time, it goes back to them and they're right back where they were in the first place. So that it's not like, oh, you signed your rights away you're off this mortgage now. And if we stop paying it, you still got to deal with the problem because it's on your credit. I understand that hesitation. If I was in that position, I would be worried about that. So we could put a performance clause performance in the agreement. Clause, performance deeds. Um, that's something that I think you know will be used for the most part because that you know most sellers want to have that protection too. Right. right. Hey, Remember, listen, we're doing I don't this. Pay it. You get yeah. you you get right back into the property and you then deal with it just like you're trying to deal with it right now. Exactly. Because when we're doing these, we again we're trying to help out the homeowner, the seller, right? And I've talked to many sellers. Um I haven't done many sub twos. Um I'm negotiating on one right now. I had one accepted last week and I ended up actually getting uh a price to flip it. So I just flipped it instead of doing sub two. Mm-hmm. Um but the conversation is one of you have to build trust and rapport with that homeowner because they're kind of still with you throughout the process of a sub two. You know, if you're going to do a sub two and pay it off over the lifetime of the loan, the loan's 10, 15, 20, 25 years, they're trusting you for that lifetime to pay that off, you know? Right. Um, you do get a power of attorney so that yes. you can go and get logins and talk to the bank and make decisions that way because you might be listening and saying, well, what if that guy disappears on me? We need to be talking. Like, what if I need to talk to the bank? What if I need logins because it expired? Can I get in there and 
So that's where the attorney comes in and you get everything on paperwork and be able to get the rights to essentially represent the seller or the current seller on that property and be able to go in and do what you got to do to to move that property, to do things. Yeah, and I think you do want to have a way or means to be able to be able to pay that note if, if in the case that it would, it would get called, right? Either an extra strategy to be able to wholesale the house, I mean, sell the house, it wouldn't be wholesale now, or refinance the house or be able to make that payment. I think, you know, that's something that's important because again, in some situations, you have another person's, you know, credits on the line, right? So I think it would be, it would be a little bit inconsiderate to go into this and say, I have no means of paying this note if it gets called back, right? I have no yeah. means to get an extra strategy for this homeowner, right? I haven't met anybody that's been in that situation yet, to be honest with I you. haven't either. Again, when we're saying this, as long as you make the payments, as long as you do all the stuff legally that's right, you sh- 99% of the time it should be perfectly fine, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, definitely I mean, be, we're going in. You guys will hear our story as we keep going and... uh We'll skip trace them. We'll pick up the leads. We'll have these conversations and we'll bring them to the show. Definitely. We'll let you guys know how it goes. Yeah. I mean, that's as easy as <laughs> breaking into a new market and executing. So now after we finish recording today, we'll be picking Three the markets, steps. pulling the list, doing videos for our virtual assistants to take them and skip trace them and start putting them in the text messaging and all that good stuff. So stay tuned. Yep, stay tuned. We'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> but it's that easy, guys. Figure out a strategy, figure out a market, pull the list, get to work, right? Shut up and invest. Amen. See you guys next time. Hey, thank you once again for listening to Shut Up and Invest. If you guys are motivated at the thought of continuing your real estate journey with us, then visit shutupandinvest.com. There you can join the community and take advantage of more free resources. And don't forget, please like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear our new content every week. Most importantly, get active and don't forget to shut up and invest.